0: What might happen if the leaders of industry and government fell in love with nature? My guest this week is on a mission to do just that. Through his work with the Way of Nature and the Bio Leadership Project, Andres has helped people all over the world understand what an eco-centric version of leadership might look like. Drawing on the inspiration of Frederick Laloux, Otto Scharmer, and Joanna Macy, to name just a few. Andres is a shining light presenting some real solutions to how we might overcome some of the global challenges we all face.
1: Bioleadership work says we can reimagine and we can redefine our ideas of human progress and human structures. I
0: want to welcome Andres Roberts onto the new Navigators. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming along. Thanks, Jamie. It's very, very nice to be here. I've invited you onto The New Navigators because I've been inspired by your work. Mm. For the benefit of everyone here, tell me,
1: what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, the latest, my latest version yeah. of it is um, helping to reimagine and redefine how we grow as people but in relationship with nature. And sometimes I'll say, and as part of nature, which I believe, but you know, it's a bit of a stretch sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, it's funny how some people don't think they're actually part of nature. I had, it was only the other day I had this conversation with someone and they were trying to convince me that they're separate from nature. Right. And that because of something that happened to the prefrontal cortex that we elevated ourselves. In some magical way, uh, uh, and we, you know, stop shitting and bleeding at the same time. Didn't really make
1: sense to me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they come from another planet of (laughs) non-nature-based planet. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's interesting, isn't it? So many people. And I don't think it has to be a a heavy thought or a or a big construction of any kind. It's just we don't see ourselves as part of nature. We don't live life as if we're part of something bigger. and of course, so many cultures before us would see that as the foundation for life.
0: Mm. And why is it that they found it the foundation for life, and we've neatly forgotten it?
1: Well, I mean, in the spirit of sitting in the garden and and sort of having a, a nice conversation, I won't. We won't go into the sort of the science and, and things like that. But but there's a moment in the scientific revolution, as what I say, where we started to be able to measure the world, mm. and thanks to Newton and Galileo and. Mm. You know, brilliant thinkers like Francis Bacon. You see the pattern of we can measure it, therefore we can manipulate it, mm. uh, therefore we own it, mm. and and loads of good things have come from that moment in time. And at the same time, it's a philosophy and it's a it's a worldview which has placed us outside of mm. and um, and now we see that it's causing a lot of bother to the world and to ourselves. Yeah
0: what was it that drew you to doing the work of bioleadership
1: um, I, I, it comes from a few places as a boy I have a real clear memory of sitting at a table with a lot of adults and these adults were having a conversation but they weren't listening to each other um, and so person A, grown up A mm. was saying something to grown up B and the grown up B was just not hearing what Grown up, A was saying, and vice versa. And I remember crystal clear, although I'd forgotten this for a long time actually. But I remember crystal clear, realizing that they weren't listening to each other. And I think I even—I I was probably five or six—and I remember. I think I think, I even said, "Hey, you're not listening to each other." Mm. And so there's, that's a root. I don't often say that, but but that's a root for me of. How do we connect the systems that we're part of? How do we connect as people? Uh, how do we actually get a, how do we get a sense of the bigger picture? Yeah, so, so I think in my life, I've been really interested in how do we connect that bigger picture. Mm. Um, I've been interested in ideas of wholeness as well. And again, thinking about your website and your, or the new navigators and using the notion of well-being. Mm. I I think, I think well and whole have the same root, no? Mm. And um, it's been up and down and I've come from very different cultural reference points. Mm. But I think I've always had a question about what is good for the whole. Um, I don't know why. I think it's been relatively easy in my life to think there's something bigger than... Me, there's something bigger than my neighborhood. There's something bigger than one way of thinking. Maybe it's because I traveled a lot as a boy. You know, because of my dad's work, I was born in South America. We spent time in Malaysia. Mm. Then I was brought up as a teenager in Birkenhead, mm. which is a different planet to London. What was your dad's work? He was an engineer for, okay. for, for Unilever, uh, which is another nice story really, because he sees the world in a very different way to how I see it. But but anyway, I, you know, I think you, you, you I got to spend time in these different places, and I, and um, and and yeah, I've always been interested in what is it that connects the bigger whole, and what is good for the for the bigger whole. And and longer story short, when I started to work with nature, I realised for me there is no. Um, well, nature is the whole. Yeah, you know? it all sits within as part of, emerges from, mm. folds back into, mm. and constantly changes as nature. Mm. Um, at least that's how I've come to see it mm.
0: and is that something that you you felt as a boy or a young man being out and about in the in the wilds, or is that something that just dawned on you which you then kind of explored more later on in life
1: It's interesting because it's something that I, I i explored later mm. i i I was born in colombia in in Bogota, which is a big city mm. Definitely felt like hustle and bustle in the seventies and eighties. Mm. Definitely remember lots of brown-coloured curtains and funny boxy cars and <laughs> people shouting in Spanish in the streets. And um, and then again, you know, Kuala Lumpur and then cities in, in the northwest of, of England. It it wasn't that I was born and brought up in a in a natural environment, other than. Wanting to know what the bigger picture was, it was it was later in life that a few things happened actually, um, and I found myself with the help of a friend sitting on the edge of a mountain for twenty four hours, just reflecting on life, and I I'd, I'd never had a chance to do that that way, mm. and it was totally um, mesmerising and awesome, mm. and uh, who was that friend? It, someone called Corby, who who is is very dear to me, and I and I. I actually owe a lot to because he, he really helped to open up a space for me to connect with nature, connect with myself, and to see how good some of the things that happen when we spend time in nature can be, you know, for us, for, for the world, mm. yeah.
0: There's this, um, there's this idea that the nature is there to be taken from. Mm. or to be used as a resource which is very sort of manifest in in everything we see in our our kind of values, Mm. our kind of Western values and in my personal experience going into a sort of immersive space a little bit more of a kind of peaceful, intentional immersive space in the natural environment very quickly teaches you that it's more about reciprocity Mm. but it's not an experience that many people get to have it feels like It was. I was only in my late twenties. The first time that I got to sit on a mountain like you describe, Mm. and to listen. Listen with the kind of wider sense of listening, Mm. and it totally rocked my world. Um, And something that I felt a real deep. Uh, desire to return to, within with a sense of intention, not just to go camping or to, mm. but to go camping or to go into the wild with a sense of communion and reciprocity. Um, which is one of the reasons why I was sort of interested in the way of nature and the work you're doing there, because mm. I know you were inspired in America um, by the person who set that up, who's a man called John Milton, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about how he came into your life Mm. and inspired you to
1: to follow in his footsteps um yeah john john is a wonderful character he he to give you an image if you haven't seen him he to me he looks a little bit like a obi-wan kenobi from (laughs) star wars sort of this shrouded bearded character who lives very close to the desert and 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 that's all true Mm. um john has slightly kind of more cosmic jackets and um But I came across John in a book called Synchronicity, um, in which someone dedicated a lot of their life to go out and understand what is it to be whole as a human being. And and actually the book is a little bit more kind of like a leadership textbook, but it's still about how do we connect with something bigger. And in that book, he finds himself being taken into nature by this spirit guide by, by John, who helped him to prepare to be alone in the wilderness um, and Joe Jaworski, the writer of this book called Synchronicity, sits on the edge of an ocean for a week by himself. Um and starts to connect with something that just feels so much more profound and and wholesome and, and it was a big shift for him. And I, f- I followed I followed that. I was already guiding people for twenty four hours, with Corby's help actually. Mm. You know, or, or together with Corby we were kind of guiding twenty four hour um what we'd call solos at the time at um in the Pyrenees. And I, I could just see it was so beautiful. It was such nourishing, valuable, transformative, honest stuff to do. Mm. Um I see people come back. We haven't we haven't said it, but one of the things that I do is, is help people go into nature alone, mark a space, step into that space, um as a personal kind of haven for sometimes 24 hours, sometimes a few days, and and return from that space to share the insights and stories and wisdoms that they've experienced about themselves and about life. Mm. And and it's extraordinary and remarkable how many incredible things people see in that space. It's Mm. so simple, as I say. I I think that, you know, if you do it honestly, with honesty and with a lot of heart and with care, it opens up a, a really wonderful transformational place for people. So that's what John does, and, and that's what I, I was starting to do that um, in the Pyrenees. And um, and when I when I looked into what John does, he he brings in a lot of philosophy and insight from Eastern traditions. So the, one of the things that I've learned most from John is is actually it comes from Taoism. So that so that the contrast and the balance between Yin and Yang. You know, or maybe uh, in some traditions you'd call it the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and this rebalancing and this constant dance that we all have of the capacity to to push and and stru- strive and clench and grip and try, um, with also the capacity to let go and relax and make room and allow for emergence. And uh, so John brought together these different spiritual traditions in the context of working with nature. He's now 80, and he he really dedicated his whole life, he has dedicated his whole life, and he's still doing very beautiful things to help people reconnect with with nature, not just as a thing out there, as you say, Mm. but as something that is in us as well, and that we're part of. Um,
0: Mm. Is it true that he was, um, (coughs) excuse me, is it true that he was an advisor to the White House?
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, under which, which president? Oh, I should know this better. Um, I want to say Carter.
0: Wow, uh, a while, a while ago. Yeah,
1: a while ago. Wow. I mean, quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, John, his stories are l- like legend stuff of legends, <laughs> really, because he, um, he was an adv- he was one of the first environmental officers in the White House. Uh, but he was also very instrumental in setting up Friends of the Earth in the U.S. Right. You know, he helped set up loads of conservation projects around the world. He was... I don't, I'm going to get the technical name wrong here, but he was um, giving a particular kind of blessing by the Dalai Lama, having been bodyguards to the Dalai Lama, a former Dalai Lama, I think. Um, no, 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 the current one. Um, for a month. Uh, he was once been again, a bodyguard, yeah, yeah to, to the Dalai, Dalai Lama. Lama. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this guy sounds like he's great, absolute legend. He's great, he's great. <laughs> you know,
1: and very human, you know, and very caring, and and um, he holds a lot of knowledge. Yeah, he holds a lot of knowledge. So it was a real, it was a real, and, and still is. I haven't seen John for about a year, but um, I learnt a lot from him. I got to spend quite a bit of time with him. Wow. Very special.
0: <clears throat> so he inspired you to take this this kind of um, nature connection work into a, into a different diff- different realm?
1: I w- yeah, I, I would say I was already inspired by it, but he definitely, I, I was able to go much deeper into what I'm doing and still, what, you know, he, Way of Nature in the US is John and he gave us his blessing to work with Way of Nature in the UK and now mm. there's a kind of little mm. ecosystem of us working with these processes mm. here. Um and,
0: and you're still running those workshops and, yeah, and very retreats much so. so that's still yeah. live.
1: Yeah, very much so. Right. Yeah, yeah, you can find out about that on the website, I guess. We can find it on wayofnature.co.uk. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Personal development and kind of experiencing uh, a deeper sense of connection to nature and also to self is something mm. that I've always been curious about in my life. And because of that I've been in Interested in sort of trying out lots of different things and been to loads of different workshops and read lots of different books like a lot of people have there's a mm. sort of general sense of seeking i suppose or kind of looking searching which probably defined my 20s in some ways we seem to be in a sort of like a culture of self-help and mm. uh, self-inquiry and uh, self-discovery which kind of is akin to our individualistic culture that we we, we live into so mm. it's kind of in one sense it's both uh enriching and amazing but also it can kind of uh, enhance that sense of individualism mm. and something mm. that uh is potentially a bit of a barrier towards a kind of more collective way of being and thinking which i think we really need in these these troubled times mm. um, and something i'm really interested in is is how organizations and cultures and wider communities can start their own process of uh, inquiry hmm. um as sort of bigger organisms hmm. um less about self more about how can we do things together and i know that the bio leadership project um is in some ways, <clears throat> trying to provide the tools, the methodologies to kind of explore how organisations can be um, in the future. Mm. So I'd love it if you could just share some of what's going on with bioleadership leadership at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. Thanks. And, and um, amazing to hear what you, because there was there were different threads to what you were saying. Mm. And I don't want to lose that bit which you touched on around individualism also maybe related to what you said was a self-help culture mm. and and um, when you said it I thought uh, for me it's, it's that, that's, that self-help element, element still sits within a, a consumption culture mm. you know we're a culture of takers mm. um, it sounds a harsh thing to say but we are mm. still you know many of us know it and we want to try and change it but, but we take more than we give and um, so the bio leadership work says we can reimagine and we can re-def- redefine our ideas of human progress and human structures. And it's a provocative name. It says much of what we define as leadership now is is just not fit for purpose. It's accelerating ways of being, structures, systems that are destructive, polarizing, um, you know, um, limiting in so many ways. And and. Outdated, fundamentally outdated. Mm. It's not what we need as people anymore. It's not what the world needs as as a, a bigger system. So, touching on the things that you spoke about, we say that there are so, so there are three strands that are important in the bio leadership work. Um, the first strand is of course tools and stories. Let's call it not let's call it knowledge that we can apply in practice. You know, I, I can say to you hey, Jamie, here's, here's a, a set of principles about how a healthy system works. Mm. Why don't we try and apply that to Bristol? Like, it's interesting stuff. We think about it mm. and we can apply it. But I believe that if we only st- stuck with that form of knowledge, we would be c- kind of repeating the same way of thinking and approaching the world and the world's challenges as we've been using for the last 200 years. It's just, it's, it's good, it's clever, it's important, it's in our heads. The world is bigger than that. So the second thread of of bio leadership um, is about f- a set of qualities that we need to start with internally as ourselves. So, if if there is a dashboard for humanity and the world, and that dashboard has said speed and production and growth for a long time, maybe we need a dashboard that also has things like measures or qualities like connection or resilience uh adaptability um care love and we can't just talk about those qualities as if we were prescribing them in a textbook we have to feel them cultivate them internally be with each other when we practice them so the second part of bio leadership is that um and, and I think more of the world is ready to go into it. You know, more of the world is ready to say... Which maybe connects with the self-help part, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but with an intention of take, taking it beyond. It's bringing
0: the individual to the organisation. <clears throat> so it's all the great work you might have done on your own. How can you bring
1: that into a kind of collective field? Well, that says something of what the third thread is, which is that... Um, I was, I was lucky, I, I, I got to work with a group of people who specialized in learning processes for a while. And one of their founding principles, this is a company called Kessels and Smith, who are still, still going in, in the Netherlands. And um, one of the principles of the founders was that the idea of management is flawed because as soon as we put ourselves in management structures, I, you know, I we might be in the same kind of management structure and I would look at you, Jamie, and say, hang on a second, stop doing that because that's in my box of my management role. And Mm. no, I'm not gonna do that because that's not in my box, you know? So Mm. we create these weird structures and job descriptions. And Kessels and Smith were were basically about saying, um, you have to break that management model, you know? Um, What is it to be a a learning community? What is it to be a dynamic, uh, conscious, um, connected, Community of, of humans. Um, I mean, that's that's my language. That's how I see what mm. they were doing. But the th- so the third thread of bio leadership for me says: How do we get good at learning?
2: Mm.
1: Like, if if we take learning in a very broad sense, which might be how we connect ideas, knowledge, actions, resources, nourishment, dreams, mm. so that it's good for the whole. What are all of the things we need to do to do that? And um, And in bio-leadership, that piece is specifically also around how do we weave a new way of working into the business-as-usual world that we're in. Mm. Um, So so the three threads are, yes, models and tools, we need them, and stories, we have a whole set of new stories coming. Mm. The internal capacity that grows from inside out, on connection, systemic awareness, resilience, love, care and so on. Mm. And then getting really good as a field, as a global network mm. to, to connect knowledge and ideas and actions and weave them into a dominant paradigm. Mm. Which is the tricky bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, cause
0: I, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent of the way, but I think always a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> I'm assuming that the type of person you might be listening to us having this conversation, and I'm thinking you know all well, that all sounds well and good and you know how, how does that actually show up in practice mm. um, because I think uh, you know we'd all agree that we need new new ways of doing things, but there is this sort of falling at the the hurdle of well, how do you turn that into practical action? We know that we want to connect to each other in a more meaningful way. We, we know that we want to um, take it best case studies and examples and replicate those and grow those. But there's the first question to come up is always like, well, but how do you do that in the real world? There's mm. this kind of mental block. There's this like very powerful mental wall, which says it's not realizable. Mm. Um, and so I'd be really interested if you could talk a little bit about the work, the work you're doing with one of your clients. I know you're doing some work with a company called Patagonia mm. um, about how that shows up in action.
1: Mm. Yeah, we've just, we've just started a, a leadership programme with Patagonia in Europe, which it's a little bit secret what we call it, because we want to kind of announce that later in the year, so I won't say what that is. But, but um, I think as you were speaking and saying that, um, I, I'm just thinking, how does it relate to the, those three threads? Um... And I think it comes up like this, even in the context of Patagonia, that we can work with knowledge and ideas. Um, So knowledge and ideas might be, okay, how do we create a a structure that is circular, that doesn't waste resources, Mm -hmm. that replenishes in some way. And we can think about that almost in a kind of engineering sense, Mm -hmm. You know, we can think about it and construct it and create it.
0: The cerebral design principles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then I found myself in one of the first moments of working with Patagonia. And it actually came out of the blue. I wasn't planning it. Maybe I thought about it the night before doing it. But we had 20 minutes in which I said, why is it so hard to ask for help? And then... I got to spend a bit of time with someone called Angangak, who is an elder from Greenland, Mm. very, very wonderful person, and he, whenever he starts one of his seminars or his workshops, or the way I I experienced it, you know, he did it when I was there, he would say, hey folks, he wouldn't say folks, but he'd say, will will you help me today? Will you, um, I can't do anything by myself, he says. Uh, and then he says a little bit of something about what's going on in his life, but he said, I can't do this by myself today, will you help me? And so the person who is supposed to be in charge, who's supposed to be teaching, begins the day by asking for help from everybody. Mm. And um, when I think when we do those things and when we practice them, it's like playing an instrument. The more we do it, the more it kind of becomes integrated. So you see people like him and then you try and pick up a bit and then I try and pick up a bit. And, and so in a process like with Patagonia or in a leadership process, it's important to talk about the engineering stuff, but w- wouldn't it be brilliant if we could bring in a little bit more of ultimately what is vulnerability, you know, and working with asking for help. Mm.
0: Uh. And is that something that the chief executives <clears throat> of a company like that are open to exploring? Do you meet a lot of resistance in the room when you're facilitating um, and bringing in that kind of qualitative felt experience, the sort of softer, um, maybe more yin, feminine qualities?
1: I I don't want to sort of categorise, really. What I think I'm experiencing is, at lots of levels of organisations, people who are... feeling like it's time to do something more Mm. and something different and also lacking not for themselves but they see that there is a hole there is a gap fundamentally in different aspects of being human in so many structures I ran a a bio-leadership process in Munich or very near Munich and we had some people there who were very experienced chief executive type level Mm. and um, and and that, in the in the two and a half days that we had together, th- there were tears. And people said, Andres, this is the kind of thing we need to do. We have to bring heart into what we're doing. Mm. So I think about these things as ecosystems. You know, I think about them as gardens. And I just feel like there are more people now in the world who, like flowers in a garden, are ready to bring something different to, to the surface mm. and so it, it's not like pushing on doors that don't want to open it's actually like helping people create space and and, and plant seeds when they're already mm. ready to do it mm. um what i'd say about patagonia there is to be very open about this um you know what they're saying is that they, they see themselves as um, wanting to represent a different way of working as being a, a bit like a beacon mm. and to show that there are different kinds of organizations to show that there are different ways of doing business and I think what some of what I'd love to do is to connect more of those beacons but to support those beacons be go even more into what they can do best mm. um, and I think that being human part mm. it goes a long way mm.
0: I think that some people are switched on and are ready and other people will come later. I think there's something about, you know, pushing on the open door, Mm. working with people who are ready and open and interested in introducing new new ways of working to their organisation, whatever that organisation might be. Yeah. It's working with those people and not necessarily concerning oneself with having to convert people. Because actually, I think the conditions of life, the conditions of the environment, the conditions of society... Are gnawing away at
1: people, and sooner or later they will have, <laughs> have that realization by themselves. I, totally, and and for me, even here's another nice lesson I picked mm. up on my bonkers travels, mm. working with a. a um, she's a wisdom keeper mm. who lives in New Mexico, like a First Nations woman. And she said to me, "Everything in life is sacred." Mm. Everything in life is sacred. Um, These microphones, they were put in a box by someone who's trying to earn a living to transport them here. You know, you are capturing beautiful stories about how to support humanity. Um, Maybe the people who made the foam on it earned some money so that they could put some food on their table. Fundamentally, through that worldview, these microphones are sacred. Spiritual, is when we turn our attention to that mm. when we for a moment recognize that these microphones have a story and have many stories associated to them and they're part of something bigger mm. that's a spiritual experience religion is when we tell each other how to do that mm. and uh, Miss Lanay who taught me that said and that's not what we want <laughs> 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 um, so I I don't I've just come to experience. Like I don't want to push anything on anybody. Yeah. I don't even want to describe them and us. No. I think that's what's part of the problem at the moment that we're othering each other a lot. Yeah. Brexit has shown us. Oh my God! I again. shouldn't say that I word. Just I just. <laughs> <it. Sorry. clears throat> I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. And what? What a moment where we've really seen now how mm-hmm. we can polarize ourselves against each other, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. In so many ways. You know and it comes back to the to the fact that we don't have we don't have the physical structures we don't have the organizational structures to help to help us reconnect they 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 polarize us again they polarize us mm. again they divide us up again mm.
0: Um, mm. i think well we're coming to a time where um sort of need for guidance for elders for mentors for teachers is probably greater than ever Mm. we're coming into a a period of history that is so rapidly changing the speed of time time itself is speeding up you know the metrics in which the distances um, in time where fundamental shifts are happening in the environment and Mm. In society and economics, is just becoming compressed or on this sort of great acceleration mm. point, um, and yet we have generations of people who've grown up without elders or without guidance or without um, any kind of uh, coming-of-age ceremonies or kind of what it means to become an adult or to mature. Mm. Um, <clears throat> something I've been talking about with a couple of my other guests, and. Um, what I've found is that the people who are doing great work in the world tend to have great teachers yeah. and have found they've managed to navigate through the, the maelstrom of information in all, all senses. Mm. They've navigated themselves to people who've been able to hold them and to give them a certain amount of guidance. Um, some inspiration, some some holding. Mm. So I'd be really interested to touch on a, on some of the teachers who've helped guide you to where you are, mm. and also who continue to guide you.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a, it's great. It's such a nice thing to, to say. And and in some traditions, we would sort of take a moment to just honour our teachers and mm. their teachers before them. So. Mm as we sit in the garden it's kind of have a little honoring yeah it's a nice thing to reflect on and and beam out to the world um i'm i'm with you we've lost what feel like rites of passage to help us move through stages in life and consumption and the ego and advertising and competition they're all Big snags we can get caught on, you know, and that's the kind of water that we swim in a lot. So, so it's very easy to go down that river in life, and it's hard to step out. Um, and I suppose maybe traditionally a rite of passage would be a moment where someone, you know, would get sort of hooked by the neck and taken off to to really see things in a different way. And it's it's hard to do that in our life, isn't it? Mm. Um, as you were speaking, I have to say, um, one, of, one of the catalysts, I think, for a lot of what I learned was actually a separation. I, I I got married when I was about 31, I think, and it lasted like a year and a half, and I remember it was such a shock to me, out of pride and confusion and not thinking that that wasn't the sort of narrative that I was supposed to be living in and letting my parents down. But boy, what a gift, really. You know, as in, I realised very soon that all of a sudden I'd been living my life without asking myself questions about really what was important to me or who I was or... What, what values I stood for, <clears throat> and it was very, very painful in ways that I couldn't really describe at the time. And I, th- I was supposed to be a grown-up, but but that was a that was a real moment of opening up. So there was like a crack, you know, and a little bit of a chink. And then, interestingly, I'd already decided to take myself on a kind of learning path. Like one of the things that I did was. Um, I signed up to a masters, which I thought was going to be a bit like a green MBA, but it, it was it definitely opened up doors to ask what is it to be human, mm. and it's there that I met Corby, and it's there that you know we started to go out into nature, um, and I'd already just made a decision to work with this group who specialised in these different learning processes. But I'm, I'm, and as, as we're speaking, I'm just thinking. And I just, I just found myself with this really wonderful space and room to go and delve and explore and meet people. And if, if I, if I speak about them now, I remember crystal clear moments with uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the mm. Zen Buddhist monk, um, with John Milton, with Miss Lanay in the desert, talking about. Native American wisdom, um, with Angangak, the Greenland Elder. He mm. describes himself as a Kalalite Eskimo. I know we shouldn't say Eskimo to be politically correct, but in on his website he still has that. I just went to these very deep places and met these characters that really are like something out of a Star Wars film. <laughs> um, I've been a bit long-winded about this, sorry. But what what I what I would re- what I would say about each of them. Is what in some in some Joanna Macy? Oops, sorry. Um, when I when when I met Joanna Macy, when I saw her speak, I'd love
0: to meet Joanna Macy.
1: What, the thing that I remember is the kindness in her eyes. She was saying very very clever things that you know resonate, and I would still read them more and more. But but her eyes are like a giant hug. <laughs> and and when I met Angangak it was at a cinema screening and um, at the end of the cinema screening which was a film in which he's involved he he hugged everybody in the room I mean it was it was a small cinema so maybe there were 50 people in the room but he he went and hugged everybody in the room and when he hugged me I could feel a little ripple of just sort of beautiful honey like vibrant energy kind of go through me so these elders show a different way of being. It's not what they say. Mm. It's, it's how they represent what they say.
0: Mm. I reckon. Mm. <laughs> and you've had the, the luck, the privilege, mm. the, uh, and the intuition to seek those experiences out and mm. to follow your, your path in that way. But for, I think for a lot of people, it's just how, where do you even start? you know Mm. it's like you can read a book but like you're saying that kind of sits within the realm of ideas Mm. but there's something in the realm of the hug um, or the realm of the sort of Mm. uh, the physically the present experience that um, yeah how do we how do we get people who how do we provide people who maybe are so much in that place Mm. an opportunity to fill that
1: yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I, I, as soon as I said all of that, I, I caught myself also thinking. As you used the what you said the word privilege. At The luck of that moment in my life, mm. I, I was able to find those people. I, I, I probably flew to see mm. most of them. Mm. It's. It's not something that is. Um, we can't all go around doing that all of the time, mm. you know. Um, and then. Well, one thought came to mind, which was that once we ran a process—terrible t- way of describing it—but we hosted a we hosted a, a gathering and a nature quest, which we called Wisdom Across Ages. Mm. And in this, so we, we had we had our, one of our twenty-four hour solos in that, where everybody could go and spend twenty-four hours alone mm. on this land, and uh, we brought together young people who were around and about 18 from from central London Mm. and then we had people you know our age, Mm. younger, older folks who you and I would see on a retreat or you know we would work with Mm. in social enterprise in Bristol or you know have interesting conversations about politics and so on and then we just we just did our thing we just went for walks as a group we'd take time to stop and talked about the history of the planet and you know we would do qigong and tai chi which we always do on programs mm-hmm. and um little meditations and then everybody went off and did their solos and then when we come back when you come back you share what you saw mm-hmm. and what you noticed about yourself about nature around Mm. you about nature of life Mm. and boy it was one of the best circles i've ever sat in like spine tingly proper goosebumps how people were with each other what they said about their lives and um how they listened to each other was so beautiful Mm. and there were just little kind of clicks of there was, there was a woman there, the oldest person there was just sort of turning 60 and, and um very amazing lady and uh, the crowd of London, 18 year olds invited her to go clubbing <laughs> afterwards. But it was, I mean, as, as could happen in so many places, but it was more the, the place that it came from. It was such a, a deep connection about being alive being human yeah. being honest with yeah. each other yeah. and it was just such awesome wisdom that came from the group for the group
0: yeah that's <laughs> a lovely point it's basically that is all there within all of us and actually <clears throat> there is a woodland not far away from where you wherever you are yeah and actually all it takes is someone with a little bit of intention to to create an experience where that meaning can be found and it doesn't have to cost the earth, and it doesn't have to mean you fly to, to meet a great leader somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, it's a really important thing to remember because I think that's the hardest thing. A lot of people, you know, self-help world or, or kind of business leadership world or wherever, they think that you have to go and spend 10 grand mm. or 500 quid or whatever it is to go and have an experience. I mean, a lot of this, the real... Uh, wisdom is just there totally free (laughs) just out there in the meadow (laughs) yeah (laughs) sat by the tree
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. you summed it up beautifully actually because there's something there about intention and marking the space to do it Mm. and giving ourselves a little bit of permission to let go and to to notice um uh, and and i think there are There are elders everywhere, aren't there? There are elders who have that capacity to just help us stop and notice. Mm. Um.
0: Mm. If someone was interested in beginning a journey of, of inquiry, but maybe didn't have the resources um, to go and sign up to a program online with Way of Nature or any other potential organization that offers that kind of work what kind of books or websites or things inspirations might you point someone to Mm. as a way of kind of starting their own process of inquiry Mm.
1: isn't there that lovely expression about how sometimes there's a moment where the book finds you You know, yeah. like people who've had a book sitting around for ages and all of a sudden they'll pick it up at the right moment in time yeah. it's almost as if it leaps up and mm. sort of jumps into the hands so, so that came to mind a little bit having said that um, straight off straight off the bat I just want to say Joanna Macy World does love a world herself yeah she's amazing Because because in that she talks about there are different kinds of action in the world and she talks about interconnection and she, I think in, in that book she explains the notion of co-arising that we're all emerging at the same time as everything around us that we're, co- we're co-creating each, each other and may, maybe there's something for me which is at the heart of all of what we're talking about which is that shift to we are in relationship all of the time we are in a dance with each other all mm. of the time mm. and that's a, that's a very... That's a very neat little nugget mm. to, to carry in the pocket. Mm. Um, I've definitely found it helpful, and it helps me mm. step out of my own ego every now and again, and it helps me work in different ways every now and again.
0: Yeah, I, can, I feel I feel like I'd like to ask you a really horrible question.
1: Oh yeah, but it's not horrible.
0: It's it is. Um, I'm interested to know... Oh, we're uh, still going? Yeah, yeah, we're still <laughs> going. No, sorry, we can, we can eat crisps. It's part, part of the it's the live sound experience.
1: Crunch. <laughs> You're going to ask me a crunchy question mm. whilst we crunch on crisps. We've
0: got to hunger point. It's getting to tea time. Um, I, I'd be interested to know what kind of legacy you'd be interested in leaving in this world... Um, and whether that's even an interesting idea to you Mm. and I say that slightly pointedly because I know that you've just had a baby Mm. a beautiful lovely little girl Mm. Aluna Mm. and I know the world is a troubled place and I know you're already doing a lot to try and help inspire people to take a more loving and earth centred approach to their lives and the way they organise themselves and so you are already doing enough. Yeah, I'm not asking of you more, but the reason you came on here is as a new navigator in my, you know, in my eyes, an inspiration to others mm. to help cultivate that that sense of we can change things, we can do things, rather than being overwhelmed by this sense of kind of it's all too much. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if there was a a thing you'd like to
1: leave behind, yeah. I, I actually um I don't think about legacy I I don't in a, in a in a like what would my gravestone say and what what do I hope people Let's say. change the question. We'll, we'll no 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 yeah. no there's something in it yeah? there's something in it cause, because it just helps me think about it. Because there's there's something in in it, um there's something in the dynamic of of course I want to leave something of Mm. course I want to ripple out in good ways I wouldn't get up in the mornings if I didn't feel like I could do that but at the same time it's it's a different energy to legacy in the sense of I want to have a building with my name on it you know (laughs) a hotel (laughs) exactly hotel Andres or a a, um, Or a university business school with Andres Bioleadership Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a big question. What. I've got loads of things going on in my head. The, the other one is that I've I had an experience recently where I realized I'm not sure I'm that worried about death. Mm. And I wonder what that means about me. Mm. I actually feel really comfortable about dying. And i um,
0: you say that now
1: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) I say it now it's so true I Mm. feel like I might and I also feel like I've already had a good life yeah Um, and oh my god you know our generations and so many parts of the world have such turmoil ahead and Mm. and volatility ahead and um, horror ahead really Mm. So I don't know, I think I want to be in the moment and I want to do the best I can now mm. to help change things the way that I can now. Mm. And I think I want to do it in a way which represents the kind of world we want to create. Mm. And that's why being part of a, an almost invisible mycelium under the surface of the forest, connecting things up, I, I say. A part of me feels that and then part of me also feels like yeah, I just want to stand up there and kind of do the best I can and charge around like a warrior. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe you should ask me that one again. <laughs> um, there's a
0: question. The other the other thing I was going to ask is, um, yeah, what would you say to somebody who was maybe thinking about setting out on the path of by a leadership or way of nature, you know, someone who's inspired by the concepts, ideas, principles that are being discussed. Mm. What words of advice would you would you give?
1: What 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 is it to be courageous in stepping out of the everyday of stepping out of business as usual? Mm. Like I think there's something in that. I think Somehow For some reason With luck And a bit of provocation Like I think I think I was happy To kind of go to the edge And even step off the edge And um, And really ask How do we see the world What What is business as usual How do we What are the Paradigms and the rules And the mindsets Through which we lead our lives and I, I don't know if I've cracked that I don't know if I've cracked it but I've definitely been able to give myself a bit of space to authentically say there's something different we can do something different mm. and I suppose one thought is how you know a bit of a, you said the word advice did you say the word advice have a go <laughs> have a go at finding that space mm. and and um What I found is it's all bollocks, stuff, material, goods, Mm. looks, Mm. logos, brand, Mm. job descriptions, titles. Mm. It's nonsense. We're going to be buried in the ground before we know it, Mm. or floating in the ocean as dust, Mm. feeding the fish, helping the flowers grow. Mm. If we can just Bottle what we're doing as people, so that we don't trash the whole place. Mm. You know, the whole thing keeps on flowing for a long time to come. Mm. So, to be courageous to step out and f- and find different ways—that's what we all need to do.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for that. <laughs> um, if there was a new navigator that you would like me to speak to. Or to mm. to have on on this show as a way of, sort of passing the baton on to somebody. Um, who might pop up in your imagination as someone to to call in and uh, and have on the podcast?
1: There's a lady called Pat McCabe, mm. Woman stands shining. Uh, who's in the US? She's front of mind for me and front of heart at the moment for a few reasons. The lady called Natasha Lithgow, who I'm guiding with mm. at the moment, who has gone through an incredible journey being a brilliant photographer and a Buddhist nun and worked with trauma and prisoners and understands um, internal transformation in a very special way. Have a chat with Natasha, that would be really good. Lovely. Would you be happy to make an introduction? Of course, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Andres Roberts, thank you so much for coming on The New Navigators. It's been a pleasure.
1: What a joy, thank you.
0: You've been listening to The New Navigators with me, Jamie Pike. For more information about Andres' work, please go to www.bio-leadership.org or www.wayofnature.co.uk Once again, a big thank you to Jack Pescord for his beautiful music, This track is called La Fleur and is taken from his album called Egregore. You can find him at jackpescott.com. Finally, if you like what you've heard, please do subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you think of someone who might be inspired by this week's episode, then please do share it on. The more people who get inspired, the more inspiring our future becomes. Till the next time, go well.